It is good to be here. I invite you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I decided to do sermon outline sheets because that's what I'm accustomed to doing, and I hope that they're helpful for you. And uh, if you want extras of the sermon outline sheets, they're on the table to the right as you exit the foyer. Brothers and sisters, I've been excited about this day for a long time, and I know that you have too. I have been praying about it. I've been praying for you, and I hope that it is that uh, you're still continually praying for the Mod congregation, for them to have somebody that will help lead them closer to the heart of God. But thank you so much for all the encouragement, for all the prayers, and for all the uh, all the uh, well wishes and the encouragement that you've offered. And, uh, my family and I are blessed to be here, and we're excited about what the Lord is going to do together uh, as we labor with you. We're talking this morning about what's in a name. What's in a name? You see, I'm... <laughs> I've got a whole lot of names to learn. I don't know if you knew that or not. And in the bulletin, I think that I had encouraged you to say, uh, if I don't call you by name on the first time, to keep saying your name. Ellen Tidwell has been helpful with that. She said, hi, Andy. And I'll say, hi, you. And she'll say, Ellen. Yes, I got you. And so now whenever I see Ellen, I can say, hi, Ellen, how are you? But as I learn names, it's interesting to me that there's also impressions about people that you get as you learn more about them. Isn't that right? And how it is that uh, I went to breakfast the other morning with the men who affectionately know themselves as the Romeos, the retired old men eating out. And I've already got some impressions. <laughs> I may share those with you at a later time, but I know something about those men by simply sitting and, and learning about them and, and learning about their names. And you know there's something to knowing somebody and knowing about their name, isn't there? If you don't think there's anything to a name, well, the next time your friend has a child, encourage them to name that child Judas or Barabbas or Ahab. They have a little girl. Encourage them to name that child Jezebel or Sapphira. You see, there's something to a name. Solomon would say in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Brothers and sisters, I want to talk this morning about the name of Jesus because there's something to that name that's special about that name more than any other name that's been given on earth. There's something about who Jesus was and there's something embedded into his character and into his name that encourages us to want to go and to name the name of Jesus, to be buried in the name of Jesus, to be raised in the name of Jesus to walk in the name of Jesus, to live for the name of Jesus. And we who are Christians, we bear his name. And that's our responsibility every single day of our lives. We are going to spend time together exalting the name of Jesus, folks, because that's what we do. So one person said as a preacher, his job is to go around. He's got an easy job because all he gets to do is just brag about Jesus. And that's absolutely true. But certainly isn't that true for us as Christians altogether. Turn your Bibles once again, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 16. I want you to notice something about what's in a name, the powerful name of Jesus this morning as we study together. Read with me the context, please, in Matthew chapter 16, beginning of verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This is absolutely a passage that is essential learning for Christians. And as we talk about Jesus and his purpose to build one church, this is the chief passage that we turn to to say, yes, Christ did purpose one church. Yes, Christ did build one church. But folks, what is that church built upon? It's built upon the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And it all begins with a discussion of who do men say that I, the son of man, am? May I say at the outset that if you have never obeyed the gospel of Jesus, if you have never named the name of Jesus Christ, your life will never be complete until it is that you deal with that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a prophet? Is he a sage? Is he a wise man? Is he no different than any other religious teacher? What makes Jesus different? And if I haven't ever settled that in my mind, if I've never said, yes, the name of Jesus is worth living for, or no, the name of Jesus is not worth living for, then your life is incomplete. You need to make a choice. And you need to see the name of Jesus as powerful, because that's exactly what it is. For memory's sake, this morning, I want you to notice some things from this context, and we're going to make an acrostic together. You know what acrostic, and I was explaining to Audrey and, uh, about acrostics, and I said, okay, it's like uh, you take the first letter of every, every letter in your name, and you say, A, she always likes to read books, U, she understands everything she reads in books, and you go through it like that because of memory's sake. Note from the context, six points about the powerful name of together as we study. First one, what's in a name? Jesus is my confession. Jesus is my confession. Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of God. There is some point in all our lives when we were introduced to who Jesus is. And it's interesting to me that as he asks these men and says, you know, who do men say that I am? They give a number of different impressions that people have of him. Is he like Moses? Is he like Jesus? Or is he like uh, one of the apostles? Is he like Elijah? Is he like John the baptizer? Is he like Jeremiah? Who is he really like? What's his impression? What's your impression of him? And Peter says, a good confession, you are the Christ. It's interesting to me that in obeying the gospel, understanding one of the steps of obeying the gospel, one of the steps of becoming a Christian is confession, confessing the name of Christ. That is speaking his name and saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. If somebody were to come down this morning and want to be baptized, we would take their confession and say, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And we hear that person say, yes, I do, with all my heart. Folks, there's a confession in the name of Jesus that each one of us makes. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15, John writing those Christians to give them encouragement. The Bible says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You see, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will despise the one and cling to the other. You can't serve God and mammon or riches or the things of this life. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. There's a choice that has to be made. There's a confession that has to be made in the name of Jesus. 
That is that I belong to him. I want Christ to be my Lord. I want Christ to be my Savior. I will yield my will to His will. I will stand before His throne and I will say, What is your will? What is it that you want me to do? I want to submit myself and be your child and to be your servant. The promise is, Luke chapter 12 and verse 8, Jesus said that I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that will tell us their salvation in somebody else's name. Don't we do that during election time? <laughs> you know, don't we do that sometimes and with regard to our political parties? We say, okay, salvation is of the Democrats, or salvation is of Republicans, or salvation is of this candidate. Man, if we get this candidate in for president or for, uh, for judge or, or for mayor or whoever it is, then man, this guy's going to do us good. And then... Don't they always disappoint <laughs> when we put our names or link our names with popular personalities? When we link our names with popular people of, uh, of stature, people that feel like they have weight with their opinions, don't we end up getting disappointed? Folks, when we recognize who Jesus is as the son of the living God, and we make that confession and we link our name with his, do you realize Christ is the one who will never let us down? Christ is the one with whom we can fully trust in and put our hope in and our security in. We make a confession. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There is confession in the name of Jesus. There is also H. There's hope in the name of Jesus. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't gloss over that word. Understand, there's something different about the God who Jesus Christ came from, as Nathan prayed in his prayer just a few moments ago. The God who came down, who took on flesh in uh, Philippians chapter 2. The God who came down and humbled himself to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Why did he do that, folks? He did that so you and I could have hope. So that we could realize this life is not all there is. Thank God. God is not dead as Nietzsche says, Luke 20 and verse 38, as Jesus having a conversation says, God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Peter, when he was preaching that first gospel sermon there in Acts chapter 2, you remember that, well, when you look at the book of Acts as a whole, Acts has to do with building upon the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time you have the, the, the apostles or, or the people preaching there in, in, in the book of Acts, you find them building their case upon the resurrection of Jesus because that's what everything that we do this morning and in our Christian life hangs upon is the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because, folks, that's what gives us our hope. But Peter, as he preaches the lesson in Acts chapter 2, you remember what he says there in verses 29 to 32. He said, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us till this day. Those Jews of that day could go and they could look and see the edifice and the monument set up to David. Today, do you realize that Muhammad is dead and buried and his tomb is still with us? The Buddha is dead and buried, and his tomb is with us. 
I can go to lots of different gravestones and I can see all of those gravestones and realize that there was maybe a great man or maybe a, a person that with a lot of wisdom or authority and I can go and I can look at their gravestone. I can know they're still in there. You know what? I can't go to the tomb of Jesus and see his body. I can't go to the tomb of Jesus and say, where does he lay? You know why? Because Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. And he didn't stay in that tomb. And because of that, now I have this hope and you have this hope. And you and I living today, we realize that we have hope in the name of Christ that just as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we are also raised from the watery grave of baptism to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And you and I, as we walk from day to day, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 14, but God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his power. We expect, we expect, we hope for life beyond this one. And we have that hope through the name of Jesus Christ. More on that tonight. I hope it is that you'll be back. Our hope. C, confession. H, hope. Are Jesus Christ is my revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds to Peter and he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. How did Peter know to make that confession? How did Peter know that he could make the confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Well, certainly he could listen or he could watch Jesus and his works. He could see Jesus feeding the 5,000. He could see Jesus turning the water into wine. He could see Jesus doing all these wonderful deeds and works. Even more so, Peter had already listened to the message of Christ. He'd already been present on a number of occasions, standing there in his shadow with the other 11, and standing there and listening to Christ teach the people. And he was amazed as much as any of the others that Jesus was one who taught his authority and not as one of the scribes, as it says there at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And as Peter listened to Jesus, he realized there's something different about this person. There's something different because I see the signs that he does. I hear the message that he speaks. And I realize that there is nobody that could do that. There is nobody that could say that if it wasn't that they were from God. Revelation. Jesus is our revelation. It occurs to me that John the Baptist, when he appeared on the scene, God had not spoken for a period of about 400 years. They call them the 400 silent years. And then when John appeared on the scene and baptizing for the remission of the sins and, and, and all Jerusalem and Judea were coming out to him to be baptized by him, his purpose was to make a straight path for the Lord from the prophet Isaiah because he realized there's coming a time when God is going to reveal himself in a way that he hasn't before. It occurs to me that since the time of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, there's still men today that are looking for revelations from God. For over 2,000 years, there's people that are looking for prophets, for astrologers, for soothsayers, for somebody to come and say, what message is there from the Lord? Has God spoken today? Uh, well, what is it that he wants me to do today? And you look for signs and there's people that, that'll see pictures and grilled cheese sandwiches and say, well, there's obviously a sign. God wants me to do something. You know what? God has already spoken today. You know how he's already spoken? When I have a religious 
group come knocking on my door and wanting me to buy into a latter-day revelation saying, here is a prophet of God over here back in the 1800s that's now come and, and he's, he's got a new message from God, a, a message that we all need to listen to. You know, one of the first passages I'll go to is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the prophets, but has in these last days, the days we're living in, spoken to us by a son of whom he's appointed heir of all things. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus is the final prophet of God. Jesus is the final spokesman of God. Jesus is the one of whom we need to listen to. Everything in the apostles pointed back to Jesus and his message. Everything that the Holy Spirit taught the apostles pointed back to Jesus and get, brought all things back to their minds and remembrance of everything that Jesus had said. And everything that the apostles taught was in accordance with what Jesus said. So I followed the words of inspired writers. Because folks... Jesus has the words of life. And we have everything that's able to make us complete for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. We have God's complete revelation, which is able to make us complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. I want to know what God's word or what God's message is. I want to know what... God wants me to do or God wants me to say or think in any situation, I turn back and I look at the word that has been revealed through Jesus. Christ is my revelation. He is my Lord. And I want to know what word is there from the Lord. I've got it in my hand. Our revelation. I, Jesus Christ, is my identity. As Jesus answers back, he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I also say to you that you are Petros, Pebble, Peter. I say to you that you are Peter. You look at the nickname that Jesus gave to Peter and how really, in a lot of ways, that characterized his personality. But you also understand there was an identity that Peter had, whatever it was that he was called that name, and how it was that, uh, it was that, uh, that he wore the name that Christ gave him. I think about Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, where the Bible says, You've died, your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Our identity as people is lost whenever it is that we name the name of Christ. Whenever it is that we obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I say, I want to be identified with him. I want him to tell me who I am. He says, you're my child. You're my follower. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my subjects. And everything I look at with regard to my identity, I have to identify with Christ. And so as I identify myself, we wear a whole lot of different names, don't we? We wear the name of father or mother, husband or wife. We either wear the name of teacher or doctor or lawyer. We wear the name, you know, with a, we like to put letters after our names to make sure that people know about our education, about how, 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 uh, how you know, how much, how much we've, we've uh, been, uh, been taught. And how much we've been schooled. But folks, as we talk about our names, and as we wear our names, 
what we have to remember is that I am first and foremost identified with Christ. I may be a Christian doctor. I may be a Christian husband. I may be a Christian wife. I may be a Christian lawyer. All of those things apply, but they are all filtered through Christ who is my identity. And as I live from day to day, I live for him to his glory. And so I must think, how does Christ my Lord want me to respond? How does Christ my Lord think about or what does he think about the entertainment choice that I've made? What does Christ my Lord want me to do in this situation where this person keeps pushing my buttons? Because I've identified with him. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Christian. Christ followers. Christ name wearers. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's how we ought to behave. Christ is my identity. Christ is my security. As Jesus would say, I say to you that you are Petros, Peter, pebble. And upon this Petra, this slab, this foundation stone, I will build my church. It's not the same. Jesus is not saying, Peter, you're not the stone that I'm going to build my church on. He says, this foundation stone of you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that's what I'm going to build my church on. Peter, you're just a little pebble. He's got his identity in Christ, but Christ says, this is the foundation. This is the security. You know, um, I appreciate a house that has a good foundation, don't you? That was one of the things we were looking for when we were buying a house is making sure that there was no uh, shifting sands and you can't really help that uh, in the long run, really. And you find that sometimes the trees move the soil around a little bit, but, but there's something to a good foundation because if you don't have that good foundation, well, Jesus would say, some build their hope on the ever-shifting sand. Paraphrasing from Matthew chapter 7 as we sing. The wise man builds his house on the rock. There is security in the church that Jesus built. There is a security that we don't know otherwise. But there's an understanding that there's security and how it is that we have support in this life. Have you ever thought about the beauty of the church? And the people that are sitting around you? And the people that are singing these praises with you and listening to this lesson with you? Here we have such a collection of people that quite honestly, literally would have never had any other contact if it hadn't been that we were brought together by the name of Jesus. You have people in the room that are lions. You have people in the room that are bears. You have people in the room that are lambs. You have people in the room of various personalities and various backgrounds and various ways that they have conducted themselves in life. But at some point, they saw and they heard the message of Jesus. They believed in his name. They were immersed into water for the forgiveness of sins. They were raised to walk in newness of life. And now together they have surrendered their identity with Christ. And just like us, folks, we're all together walking towards heaven. Realizing the security of what Christ has made. The church is the called out, the elect of God. Those who recognize that they were sinners and are in need of God's help. We have a perfect system for imperfect people with Christ as the head of the church. Ephesians 1 verse 22 and 23. We are, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8 verse 37. 
And as Paul concludes that great chapter in talking about there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. As he concludes that chapter, he talks about the security, folks, of us being with Jesus. He says, for I'm persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Folks, as we walk together, we're going to fall, we're going to fail, we're going to make mistakes but we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And as we get back up and as we continue, there is security in knowing the fact that as we walk on together with him, walking in the light, 1 John chapter 1, as we walk in the light as he is in the light, folks, there's security there. There's an understanding of the love and blessedness of the name of Jesus. Last one. T, Christ is my triumph. I say to you, that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Through the name of Jesus, we have the ultimate victory. We have the ultimate victory over what? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the context, he's talking about the fact that death because it had no hold on Jesus. And because we identify with Jesus, we have lost our identity or, 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 or named the name of Christ where we have security, but there's also that triumph over death where it is that we don't have to worry about it. If we believe in Jesus, in his name, if we follow his commandments, death is not going to keep us. John 3, verse 36, Jesus would say, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He does not believe and obey the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests on him. We have the triumph over death. Folks, we have the triumph over sin. We have the triumph over sin. Romans 6, verse 22, Now be set free from sin, and having become the slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life, for the wages of sin is death. The only thing sin is ever going to pay is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Folks, it's all about his name. It's all about who he is. It's all about us believing in his name, living for his name, and continually walking in his name. And you know what? We don't have to fear death. There might be trepidation just because it's uncertain. I don't know exactly what happens at the point of death. But you know what? I know who lies just beyond the veil, who's ready to receive me just beyond the veil. And that gives me hope. Understanding, folks, that we have the triumph. We don't have to worry about it. And we can continue on joyfully praising God every single day. That's the name of Jesus. We have such an honor. As we look at who he is, as we look at his name together, as we strive to exalt his name here at the Graver Road Church, as we live for him every single day, folks, it ought to be that we're the most joyful people on the face of the planet. But the problem comes is that when we forget who he is and we forget to live for him and we forget who we are in relationship to him, 
then I might start to take more glory in my other titles than I do in this title being supreme over everything else in my life. You know, people that are fanatic about football season, I don't know anybody around here, right? But you know that, that there are some people in some parts of the country that if you tell them, listen, Aggie football is so much better than anything else in the SEC. <laughs> Why you laugh, right? I know there's nobody here that would contend that. I know that there's nobody, nobody that would contend that UT football is best. Or Sooner football. Or Alabama football. Nobody around here makes those assumptions, do they? But you understand that there are some in some parts of the country that are rabid fanatics. I, I'm an Aggie. And I love the Texas A&M football team. And I will die defending them and their coaches and their choices and those things. And you'll live for that. And you'll tell everybody around it so that everybody, they roll their eyes when they see you coming because they know that you're going to talk to them about Aggie football. Because I'm an Aggie. I'm not, but... My wife is, right? <laughs> Folks, what about Christians? What about the name of Jesus? Does it make a difference in your life? Does it make a difference in my life? To the point where people know that when I'm going to come, that they're going to see a person whose life is hidden with Christ or hidden with God in Christ, that in the job that I do, Christ has made a difference. In the way that I'm a husband, in a way that I, I, I take care of my children, people look at me and say, do they say, I can tell he's a model of Christ. I can tell that he's trying to glorify the name of Christ. He's trying to live for his Lord. Do you see that? Does it make a difference in your life, the name of Jesus? If not, why not? Folks, that's what we're all about. And that's what we're striving to encourage one another to do. Christian, if you haven't been living for the name of Jesus, I encourage you to make some changes in your life. The Bible would call it repentance. Changing your mind and changing your attitude, your heart, that's going to lead you in a change of direction. Say, I, you know what? I haven't been as patient as I ought to be with those people at work. You know what? I've really been letting my temper flare. You know what? I've really been guilty of gossip and talking bad about somebody else. And I recognize that's not pleasing to Jesus because I wear his name. I want to change. I want to guard my tongue more closely. I want to hold on to my anger and turn that over to God rather than pouring that out on somebody else. I want to make sure that my attitude and my conduct are in line with what Christ wants me to be. Christian, we can make changes. Our goal, our desire is to grow closer to the heart of God. But if it is that you've never named the name of Christ, Peter would say in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, to a group of men that so needed Jesus, said there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, John 14 and verse 6. And it is this morning that you can wear the name of Jesus. If it is that you, through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can be raised to walk in newness of life, living for Jesus every single day. Are you ready to do that this morning? We stand ready to assist you. If it is that you're ready to make that sweet confession as we stand and sing.